Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is episode number 63 for November 2015. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Phileas Club. This is a show where we get together uh, every month or so and we get people from different countries, cultures around the world and we discuss the things that have been happening in the past month, hopefully giving you a vision uh, of each event that is maybe not completely uh, aligned with the one you might have already. So broadening horizons, at least, you know, that's what we try to do. Usually it descends into me and Turkey arguing about, uh, I don't know, which restaurant, uh, which city has better restaurants between Belgium, you know, uh, I never Brussels argue, and, and Paris. I never no, argue. I never well, argue. I'm a very nice person. <laughs> I, but I like arguing with you. That's the thing. You're being nice to me by <laughs> agreeing to argue with me, even though it's not in your nature. Okay, then I argue with you. <laughs> So, Turkey, thank you so much for putting down your controller long enough uh, to come talk to us. You've been no deep into Fallout 4. No, not deep enough. It's only 70 hours. Uh, it's okay. It, this show is just going to be about an hour, and then you can go back to it. I'm sure. <laughs> So thanks for being in Turkey, of course, from Saudi Arabia, as usual. Uh, another regular is Paul, who's joining us from Hong Kong. How's it going, Paul? It's going good, except I'm not playing Fallout 4, so it ah. could be going better. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why are you not playing Fallout 4? I, I don't have a system, a uh, new console, or anything capable of playing that as of yet. Maybe maybe next year, maybe Santa will be nice. We'll Aww. see. You, you don't have a PC? I do not have a PC anymore. Well, no. that's your problem right, right there. It's easy to yeah. fix. Or, you know, you could install Windows on your Mac via boot, boot camp. Yeah, I've tried that before. Uh, my Mac's a little bit aging, so uh, I don't mm. think that's going to work for me either. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, Santa could bring you a PlayStation or an Xbox possibly uh, in at Christmas. So we'll see. Uh, please let us know how, how it goes. Um, so thank you for joining us, as I said, from Hong Kong. And we also have a newcomer. Uh, Nima is here with us. How's it going, Nima? Great. <laughs> yep, happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, it's it, you are you're in a very special position here on the show because you are both from uh, Iran, which is where you 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 are originally from, and you're also living in Boston right now. So you're basically representing Iran and the United States on the show. Yeah, weird combination, but <laughs> I'll try to make it work. Um, can you just, since I think a lot of listeners will know who Turkey and Paul are, uh, can you just tell us just a little bit about yourself, you know, um, where you come from, what you're doing uh, in a couple of minutes? Right. So uh, I'm 28. I was born in Iran. I came to Boston four years ago to uh get my PhD in uh, computer science and I haven't I have been living here since and yep okay so basically uh it is that something that is common because I think a lot of people when they hear Iran are going to think 
Well, surely there aren't a lot of Iranians who go to the U.S., especially just to study, right? Is it very common? Oh, or? Yeah, yeah, actually, it's like hugely common. So, um, yeah, like um, there is a national exam for entering universities in Iran that's very competitive. And usually, like, people who get to, like, the top universities there, uh, there's a famous uh, technical university called Sharif University in Tehran. And I would say, like, uh, like 70, 80% of the graduates of their undergrad programs, like, usually go to U.S. for their PhDs and masters. And actually, okay. a good chunk of them... Uh, end up staying in U.S. So how do we reconcile this fact with the very <laughs> clear knowledge that Iran considers the U.S. the great Satan and that everything they do destroys, you know, the world and morality? Uh, when you get back home, don't people, like, throw stuff at you because you're contaminated with the U.S.? Oh, Uh, no, actually, like in Iran, like the people like generally like U.S. and uh, I, I understand like it's complex, but like, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's it's uh, more what you're saying is that not all Iranians uh, think in the same exact way in, in the way that we perceive Iran, I guess. I guess so, yep. Um, and um, so I guess in the mind of people, there is a separation between like the government policies of the United States and the actual country. Like people know it's a country of like opportunities and like lots of immigrants come here and like uh, build their life and are successful. So obviously they're interested in that. But uh, the state media, like, uh, is really opposed to some of the policies of U.S., like uh, uh, supporting Israel or, I don't know, like some of the actions of U.S. in the Middle East that they call them unnecessary interventions. So, okay, uh, and some of the people, like, accept that, some of people don't, but generally, like, U.S. is considered a good place to be i guess oh that you know that i wouldn't have expected actually that generally there's a positive feeling towards the u.s that is very surprising to me so yeah <laughs> yeah well learn something new every every day um all right so let's get into the discussions uh thanks for being here nima uh sure. it, let's get into the discussions about the main i think what is going to be the main topic of the day uh which is the attacks in paris the terrorist attacks in paris um and that followed you know i guess 10 months after the attacks in at charlie hebdo um obviously it was incredibly uh traumatic and i've said that this on on a few shows already but uh I, it was very uh, I was very thankful for having so many people sending well wishes and uh, inquiring about my health and th that of my um, close uh, of my uh, close friends uh, and family. And um, it was uh, obviously a difficult time. It's still pretty difficult. And I want to 
give you guys, uh, the listeners, a picture of what, how this has been received, but I'm not sure I want to start with our vision. I, I would like to turn to Turkey first and ask um, how the, the, the event was seen and discussed in Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, Patrick, it's, I think it's like most of the world uh, with the shock and uh, disgust with the majority of people here. Uh, the media has been covering it very uh, extensively. And uh, as far as I know, from all the interactions I had, whether it was online, in person, people were really shocked and very disgusted at what happened. It's, at the end of the day, it's just uh, some crazy people running around and shooting and killing people at random. And uh, they and that's clearly they're they're not they really don't care who they're in, ending up killing, whether they're women, children, men, whether they're Muslims, Christians or atheists or whatever. It's a, it's just a, a terrorist act, pure and simple. You know, it's um, I'll get back to the question of Saudi Arabia specifically because it's been mentioned in the subsequent coverage. Uh, but I think there's one element that is significantly different uh, from the ones, the attacks on Charlie Hebdo uh, in the beginning of the year, which has also been reflected in the way we discuss it and, and approach this event, is that for Charlie Hebdo, the target was as appalling as the act was. There could be some kind of intellectual rationalization behind the act, which was these, this newspaper had been insulting uh, the prophet, and so we had to retaliate because it was an unbearable uh, affr uh, affront. And that was something that became a discussion, not to the point that we, we said, well, then we understand the attack, obviously not, but also when we discussed things with uh, Mahmoud after the... Um, Charlie Hebdo attack, he, he mentioned that one of the, the reactions was, well, of course, this is despicable, but it's to be expected when you go pushing people's buttons, there's going to be a reaction. And we discussed the nature of insults and, and how the reactions to insults are, um, are, are usually crafted in the Arab world or in parts of the Arab world, which helped us sort of understand some of the reactions to the attacks um, in in some respects. And, and I'd encourage people listening now, if they haven't heard it, it's the one from January, um, the Phileas Club from January. It was pretty uh, interesting to hear these comments as well. But long-winded answer to say, this feels different here as well, because there's no one that can take the side of the terrorists, basically. There's no no shred of justification you can give um, to what they've done, even in the way that they did for Charlie Hebdo. I'm guessing there's the same kind of differences uh, for you guys in Saudi Arabia? Uh, well, yeah, basically, yeah, that's true. They, you would have had a reaction during Charlie Hebdo that it would, people would say, what did they expect? They were they insulted the prophet. Something would have happened. This is, uh, they should have known something like this could happen. It, uh, and and they were people like that, definitely, and uh uh, in a, a, every part of the world. But at the end of the day, let's be honest, it, it, 
the fact that we actually these people actually went and made a big deal out of this and attacked those uh, uh, artists and uh, publishers and made them martyrs for their cause you just made what they did even more popular and more in demand than mm. scaring people so basically and and this is within at least within my circle we do believe that if you see something like that if someone insults you or something just ignore them that's how you just kill the whole thing because if you give them value they will continue doing what they want. Mm. And that's the same thing with terrorists, and that's how terrorists work. Terrorism is also about trying to scare people, trying to make people change the way they live, trying to impose uh, uh, government being able to monitor your emails, monitor your <laughs> phone calls, uh, trying to get the, the government horrified, uh, profiling people. And that's when the terrorism wins, because that's exactly what they want. Terrorism and, and is you're basically saying this is a this is a common uh, because that's something that we are discussing here in France and the the overreactions have been significant. Well, maybe not overreactions, but the discussions are veering towards overreaction. I think, uh, but this is also the way you would approach it in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, definitely. That's mm. that's one of the ways we approach it in Saudi Arabia, and, and it's the same situation as uh, you're approaching it in uh, France. You have those who would say, "No, we need to do more monitoring." You have those others who are coming out and saying, "No, if we do that, we're actually giving the terrorists what they want." When we start profiling people, because this is terror. Terrorism is based on the word terror, and basically that's what they did. They terrorized us to the point that we are actually now profiling people, we're monitoring people, we're trying to figure out what's going on, and, and, and that's the problem. So it's, it's, it's a really a situation that everybody goes through, and in Saudi we go through this also. Uh, we are uh, in Saudi also a target for uh, ISIS. Uh, I believe every country in this world is a target. I, hard, I don't believe that there's hardly any country in this world that isn't a target for ISIS, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, France, whether it's Saudi, whether it's Hong Kong, whether it's Iran, whether it's uh, US, it's all a target because these are terrorists. They really don't care who they're targeting as long as they have their own agenda. All right. I, I want to go back to this whole discussion. But uh, before that, Paul, uh, you live really far away from all of this. So surely, uh, you know, the people in Hong Kong don't really care about all of this. They're just going around eating, you know, bowls of noodles in the street and looking at very flashy uh, electric signs that blind everyone because there are so many. Right. That's what keeps happening in Hong Kong. Well, you would think that, but uh, this was uh, pretty big news over here, and there is a connection. Damn it! Because All of you keep keep contradicting my stereotypes. I'm getting very angry now. All right, we live to do so. Um, but yeah, in China, actually, they have a very large um, Muslim population. Uh, part of the uh, several of the ethnic minorities in China, like the Wei and the Uyghurs are Muslims. And so out in Xinjiang, they have all these tensions going on. Um, some of this is a carryover. Uh, some of these groups in Xinjiang are being tied now to ISIS in some way, shape or form. And there have been attacks. There hasn't been any attack in Hong Kong, but there was, an, uh, there was a, a knifing attack that happened, I believe, up in Shenzhen, which is uh, just north of Hong Kong. And there have been several attacks out in the western region in China. Now, these tend to be much smaller scale uh, than, of course, what happened in, in Paris. But the fact that these are happening, too, uh, again, you know, gets back to this idea of trying to spread uh, the, the message basically through fear. You know, that's one thing that we... I mean, there was an attack in Lebanon a few the day before the one in, in Paris. Uh, there have been attacks here and there, but obviously 
it, it, there was some level of criticism that we don't realize that other countries are also being tax, attacked. And in some countries, those acts are a lot more lethal and, and widespread than they would be in France. But I also think there is something to be said for cultural closeness. Obviously, if it happens to your neighbor, it's going to mean more to you than if it happens to someone who lives 100 you know, kilometers away. Well, so. actually, Patrick, it's more about people expect this to happen in Lebanon. People expect this to happen in Iraq. People don't expect this to happen in France. That's, that's, that's how the people are reacting. It's when they hear about the bombing in Lebanon, unfortunately, it's really sad that people expect it. And all right, this is something that happens regularly. That people aren't, they're sad, they're uh, horrified, but they're, they expect it. They're not shocked. What happened in Paris shocked people. I think that's what's the difference between all of these. Mm. Certainly, yeah, it, it probably plays a, a role for sure. Um, Nima, what about Iran? How was this uh, discussed? I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, actually continuing the discussion, like, uh, it was like, uh, it was like, uh, very discussed about, and, uh, there were like, uh, many people who like, I don't know, like changed their, um, Facebook picture with a background of, uh, French flag. Oh, so first and piece of information, you're heavy users of Facebook in Iran. Oh yeah, yep. Despite it is like uh, censored, but like people use VPN and get on it. So really, okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, I would say Facebook is pretty popular. And uh, so, but there were also these people that were saying like, uh, why, why, why didn't you do the same for like Lebanon or Syria when? Just recently, they they had like uh, similar attacks uh, with uh, deaths and casualties, and then the first group would come and say, "Okay, so because it's like not very common in uh, the the same thing you guys were mentioning." So, Mm. so there was there was certainly this like clash between these two groups, and uh, yep. But in general, for the for the you know the. Daesh and oh, actually, maybe some, Turkey. You can explain to me why they hate being called Daesh and they want to be called ISIS or ISIL because no. Daesh means something different in Arabic. That's what we've been hearing. It annoys mm. them when we call Daesh. I've never heard that they oh. they officially call themselves Daesh. It's an okay. abbreviation of of their Arabic name, which is the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. Okay, there was so, some rumor going around that they didn't like it and that we actually were, you know, sticking it to them by calling them Daesh, I guess. As far as, uh, I, I highly doubt it. I don't, okay. As far as I know, that's what they call themselves. Although they usually just call themselves Islamic State, so that's what they prefer. Right. Ah, yes, okay. But they um, did use, officially, they did use Daesh officially at the okay. beginning when they started the movement. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, going back to Iran, Nima, uh, how, I don't know, how is the relationship, because obviously you're a lot closer to all of this um, in, in Iran, uh, how is this regarded in general and the rise of the Islamic State and, you know, those, those uh, events that led to those attacks? So, yeah, um, basically... Uh 
It is like uh, condemned. The attacks were condemned by uh, the media and like the government in Iran, and so um, I don't know. The whole uh, ISIS situation is a complex issue. Like uh, in uh, in Iran, I guess most people think. I don't know what most people think, but there's certainly this view that uh, basically uh, what happened was that like after Iraq was destabilized after the U.S. attack and uh, some countries like uh, uh, Turkey and maybe Saudi Arabia, they uh, were like... Of course, uh, Iran and Syria, like the current regime, the Assad regime, are good allies. So um, they tried to topple the uh, Syrian government. Uh, and in the meanwhile, the, they supported the Free Syrian Army in Syria, but somehow ISIS came, emerged as its own entity and kind of the whole broke out so basically so, basically there's a, a view of the responsibility i guess of of the war in iraq which i'm sure everyone agrees is is a factor at least and something which we have been discussing as well in um in france is the role of uh, saudi arabia and some other countries but there's i guess a couple of things first the financial role of Saudi Arabia financing uh, some of the oppositions to uh, the Syrian regime and maybe even, you know, the radical groups and playing with fire. And the other thing is the role of radical, uh, you know, an extreme version of Islam, because uh, I think the world would agree that Saudi Arabia has a very strict interpretation uh, of Islam. And that sort of leads to uh, pulling the uh, Muslim world into that uh, strict interpretation. I'm not sure how Iran plays into that picture, but uh, is yeah, that... Yeah. So uh, I... I doubt, like, the. I think, like, um, I doubt that, like, the uh, Saudi Arabia's the government, like, supports the, like, uh, things that are happening. But I think, like, uh, maybe, like, there are some private parties that because of their ideologies, like, uh, they might support, like, I mean, like, uh, they might support and give funding to, like, ISIS or something. But, uh and that's that's basically what we've been hearing about here in France as well, with the sort of finger pointing of all of a sudden, you know, they are uh, Saudi Arabia is our friend and we're working with them for this and that. And it's the case for the U.S. as well. And all of a sudden now we're we're realizing, oh, there's this and that that's happening. Why were we not condemning it in the first place? Uh, no, actually, like, uh, this is not my view, but uh, it was, like, maybe in, like, the uh, state propaganda, it was also mentioned that, like, in the, like, more hardliner media, that uh, what happened to France 
maybe France was kind of responsible for it because they supported uh, basically free Syrian army in uh, Syria and they helped the uh, emergence of uh, they involuntarily help emergence of ISIS by doing that. Mm. So basically yeah. opposing opposing Assad led yeah to... so so as so assad regime like i just wanted to mention this too it's i think you said like saudi arabia supports assad regime i think they don't so so uh, the, no, the, the I, yeah the i was i was talking about the opposition oh, to right, assad, right. Yeah. so yeah so yeah because obviously i mean uh, just to again jump into the uh, very easy views of the world well i think this one is what warranted uh, to an extent uh, basically, Saudi Arabia is uh, uh, Sunni and Iran is predominantly Shiite, and you. But basically, you both hate each other's guts, right? Turkey and and Nima, since you're members of those countries and of those. Unfortunately, unfortunately that's true. At least on a uh, very high level. Unfortunately, you said that's true. Yes. Okay. Uh, you, at least, yeah, at least yes. on a high level. At least mm. on a high level. Yeah, there is also. I think, like for Iranians, there is like this history of basically uh, how Iran got a Muslim country was basically it was attacked by uh, at the time. I don't know. It, it wasn't like Saudi Arabia, but basically so, the, the Arabs. Yep. Yeah, so. <laughs> so it was attacked by them, and then we kind of like uh, it's like heritage or pride as an as the Persian Empire. Mm. So we secretly like despise that, and but again we consider ourselves like Muslim too. So and we kind of build up this uh, Shia as a way of uh, distinguishing ourselves from the original. Uh, Basically, Sunni, uh, Sunni, yeah. Muslims, so, yeah. But the the the, the what makes this uh, the situation in Syria more complex, I think, is that actually, like the uh, Syria, like the Assad regime is Sunni too, <laughs> but we support them. <laughs> well, actually, actually, Assad regime is not Sunni; they're Alawis. Oh Alawis yeah, is, I didn't know a, that. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a Shia sect. It's a, some type of Shia sect. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So that 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 makes sense. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, go ahead, Turkey. Um, you know, it's true. This is this is a real big problem. But however, Saudi Arabia, in no way or form, there there are individuals who would support Daesh in their own way. They would smuggle money. They would smuggle uh, recruits and so on. There's always individuals. But Daesh is an anti-Saudi government movement they oppose the monarchy they oppose the saudi government and one of their agenda at the top of their agenda is to overthrow the monarchy and establish an islamic state in saudi arabia to take over both the two holy cities of Mecca and medina so and saudi arabia is, uh, would never as a government support a movement as daesh and knowing that they would turn on them in a moment's notice and i think they already took their lesson Unless they're really stupid, from Afghanistan and the Qaeda, and the what? Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. You mean Al Qaeda, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Can't you speak properly, Turkey? This is so I'm speaking Arabic. Al Qaeda is Arabic. <laughs> um, uh, but so one other thing that's been that's been discussed 
is basically the um, severity of the Saudi Arabian regime with punishments going so far as, you know, beheadings and stonings and all of those, which, which are, you know, it's, it's difficult to reconcile the idea that we don't want to support extreme views of Islam, even though, you know, I'm not suggesting Saudi Arabia has views that are similar to that of the, um, of the terrorists, but it is a very harsh application of Islam. Is how, that how how old is your state, Patrick? My state? Yes. Uh, it depends how how far you want to go. But I guess how? the the if you want to go to the revolution, it would be two hundred, uh, a little bit over two hundred okay. years. And when did you abolish uh, capital punishment? I sense you have a, the, the response were pre, was prepared, but I see where you're going and I, it does make sense. But uh, yeah, capital punishment was probably in the 50s, something like that. So, so you're judging a 70-year-old country on the moralities of a country that had hundreds of years to establish itself and its moralities and views. I guess, yes. Uh, so, and how does that work? Seriously. So um, you, expect, you expect a country that's only 80 years old or less, and and to be honest, to be a modern country, it's even less. Like it's maybe fifty years old or less as a modern country in a modern society, and that's how old it is. And you expect it to change within fifty years, while it took you a, a few hundred years to change yourselves. I guess, yeah, I, there could be a discussion about this, but certainly I understand your point, and it does make sense. Uh, Nima, yeah, uh, you were yes, the, 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 the U.S. Does the U.S. Uh, of U.S. United States of America do they still have the capital punishment? I don't think they exer- they exercise their right in the same way. No, uh, they to, did uh, uh, last week. Like I think yeah, a month yeah. ago, they had one. Mm-hmm. They still have it on the books. They still have uh, laws that say you can shoot anybody that comes on your property if you feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, I, so, I get your so, point. I get your so, point. So, so, so to come and judge Saudi Arabia, which is like 80 years, and then you forget everybody else, and this is only in Saudi, or judging Iran or judging any country that's very young, and, and telling that they have to follow your morality, this is a problem. The, pro- the thing is, does, I think, Saudi, no, I- does, Saudi go- does the Saudi government go out and support and pay money to ISIS? or Daesh, or whatever you want to call them, and tells them, go and blow up people in Paris, go blow up people in Washington, or New York, or uh, I don't know, Amsterdam, anywhere. Do they do that? No, they don't. Mm. So what they do within their own country, within their own borders, that's up to the people to revolt against it and fix it. The population of Saudi Arabia, the people of Saudi Arabia, need to fix what they have within their borders. Not people from outside their borders coming in and say, you know, this is how you're supposed to treat your people within your borders. I I would argue that in the same way, uh, people in France would say, well, given what's happening, I mean, some people, there would be two approaches. Some people would say, we don't need to go out and do business with a regime whose uh, morality or, you know, laws, let's say, leave morality out of it, but laws, uh, we, we disagree. 
agree with. And uh, some people would say the opposite, basically saying the influence that we can have on those countries uh, can be beneficial to the uh, cultural evolution of the country. And also, we can make a good chunk of money selling planes <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And we need the oil. So, But Nima, you were, you were, I sensed you were trying to say something at one point. Yeah, I think like <laughs> I kind of forgot, but uh, what I wanted to mention about like the uh, basically saying like uh, how old is the country, it in some respect it does make sense, but uh, like I guess like the uh, Sharia law or the Islam uh, government, Islamic government is like has a like 1400 year old uh precedents so yeah I but if know. you go like that france is you know two thousand or more years old um we can go back well, maybe uh, no, i guess like you guys are based on like uh what do you say like uh well we have Renaissance, Greek and... renaissance like renaissance has started you guys maybe uh i no i would argue yeah. i would argue it goes but a little they, bit they, farther they, they they had bible law Well, yeah, we had. I mean, if you if you go with uh, the Christian uh, era, it, it goes obviously at two thousand years. But yeah. if we 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 can establish the the you know the establishment of the French government as an independent entity anywhere between, I guess you know the Gauls, which would be before uh, uh, Jesus Christ, or somewhere around four or five hundred when the first uh, Franks. Uh, Frank Kings actually started uh, uh, exercising at the fall of the Roman Empire, basically more or less. But there are there are lots of different uh, ways to to look at it. Um, which yeah, so uh, yeah, and also I wanted to mention like uh, basically the arguments that I guess it's similar in both in Saudi and Iran that you the government itself doesn't like support and stuff like that. But the problem I think is like the uh the atmosphere that like is caused by the uh strict uh application of uh islamic views causes like uh individuals to be extremists and yeah there's been a lot of that in in france as well for sure yeah so i don't know like that's one thing to consider mm. yeah Paul, you're uh, very outside of the conversation. <laughs> Are you? Uh, is it the case that in uh, in Hong Kong, it's also kind of a, a, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of uh, Muslims in in China, but uh, is it sort of a foreign thing as well? We discuss it when there's an, a terrorist attack, but ISIS is kind of far away. Otherwise, yeah, I think so. I mean, we do have a pretty strong Muslim community. We have, you know, several active mosques here. Um, but those are just outside of the, the circles that I move with. And um, I don't have a lot of contact. I, I have a couple, I've had a couple Muslim students in the past, um, but no real direct contact. So I think that within those communities, these, you know, these are probably very big issues that are discussed quite a lot, but not until we get one of the bigger media events like this. So does it really pop up? How do you think uh, a Chinese person would, uh, or, you know, someone from Hong Kong, I guess it is China now, but uh, would react to those discussions? Is it completely, oh, hmm, 
all right, that doesn't really concern me, but sure, it's interesting. Or would they be concerned by the thing? I mean, I'm just trying to get a view of how foreign it is for you guys. Yeah, I think for the general Hong Konger, it's it's very very foreign. Um, <clears throat> fortunately, Hong Kong has not, you know, had the the misfortune to have an attack like this, um, so they don't have direct experience. But people in China, if you're out in Western China, and again, um, they've had an incident in Shenzhen, mm-hmm. which is not too far from here, but still, it's you, you have you know go through border control, and it's a slightly removed. So. Um, for the average Hong Konger, I think that this is, you know, something they see in the news, but uh, they fortunately don't have uh, much experience with directly. Yeah, and we have to remember that China is so large that uh, the Western part is a lot closer to the Middle East uh, than Hong Kong. So um, I, I before we move on, I think I would like to discuss the question you sort of alluded to, Turkey, which is that of the reaction with the increased, you know, surveillance and uh, state of emergency, which is supposed to last for 12 days uh, normally in France. And the government had it extended to three months. And we have a lot of something that I think the most of the population agrees with, which is uh, basically there's no need for uh, legal approval i sorry not legal but judicial approval for police raids and perquisition ah um basically going in a house and searching search and seizures and things like that you can just go in and do it and i think for the first week or so everyone was saying yes no problem just do it with the understanding that this was expended for three months and not you know forever But now we're already starting to see people say, all right, let's take a a breath and realize that there are some instances of abuses in those um, in those acts. And there are a couple of newspapers that set up uh, observatories of the state of emergency to sort of make sure that things are accounted for and make sure that we don't go overboard. Um, you know, some search and seizures and entering people, entering people's houses when it wasn't warranted at all. Uh, I'm sorry for the pun, but <laughs> it wasn't warranted. It was a mistake, an actual mistake. And I think we all understand some mistakes are going to happen. But we also uh, are starting timidly to want to make sure that we don't go overboard there. Um, the thing that we're not quite uh, as concerned about is everything that is in the digital space. And we already have laws that were voted after the uh, Charlie Hebdo attacks that increased the power of the government tremendously to an extent that I don't think is healthy for a, for a democracy. It's not, you know, bringing it down quite yet, but it's it's unhealthy. It goes in the wrong direction. Um, and there are there are people who are mentioning the question of Uh, of backdoor into encrypted messaging. There were a couple of uh, people, uh, there were people suggesting, well, see if they have encrypted messaging, they can coordinate these kinds of attacks. And uh, another thing that came in the same breath almost was surely they were um, refugees that came with the refugees from, you know, Syria and... um, 
And we discovered relatively quickly that, uh, first of all, one person, I think, came with a, a refugee passport through Belgium. Every Everyone seems to be going through Belgium. Um, but... There is, uh, there was one person that had a refugee passport, but they were like eight, and the other ones were just French nationals that came back after a trip in um, in Syria. And the other thing is, we found uh, communication that oh, and when I said Syria, my phone thought I meant Siri. No, I wasn't talking to you, Siri. Shut up. Okay. Um, and and some of them were using just plain SMS communications to co coordinate things, and we still didn't see that coming. So I think the the one thing that's going to happen is that hopefully it's going to motivate people to create a PNR, which is the uh, basically fly uh, flight list sharing and you know name uh, flyers name sharing uh, thing because currently in Europe you can't communicate. There's no way to communicate the names of people. So even if they're on one list, then you're not going to know that, you know, if they're in the list in France, the people in Belgium are not going to know that they're um, people that they should be keeping an eye on. So they just fly in, uh, avoid uh, long international flights and just go through different countries. And then they can get without get in without being, um, you know, uh, located or, or uh, found. So, yeah, there's a lot of discussions about all of this. And I'm guessing these discussions don't reach your shores. You know, the question of what should we do to fix it, I guess, is a right way of asking the question. Do you, do you guys discuss in your countries what should we do to fix it? And let's start with, I guess, you know, Paul, it, it's not really a problem, right? So there's no discussion. Uh, well, you know, I do fly back to the U.S. once or twice a year. Oh, that's a whole other uh, can of worms. So, yeah, I, but I, I think that there's a lot to be said for the lessons of the U.S. in the post-9-11 world and the Patriot Act and, um, you know, they, a lot of the same issues, you know, the, the ability for different departments to communicate was a big issue and, you know, they they ironed out all these things and then they took it overboard with, you know, NSA and and all that kind of nonsense. So, my my hope is that France can kind of look at the bad example uh, set by a lot of the U.S. blunders in the post-9-11, uh, you know, because they were just kind of stumbling around, you know. And, and I, I'm, well, I'm, it, it, it heartens me to think that people are already in France saying, wait a minute, you know, let's, uh, let's take a step back and let's not push this too far. To an extent they do, but I think it, there's also a lot of, I mean, we'll see how it evolves. Um, I think the they don't look at the real world, quote unquote, and the um, electronic world in the same way, which I, for the life of me, I don't understand why, but uh, they don't. Uh, but there's also a lot of what Turkey was talking about, which is terror and terror in the sense of fear. And I think we're thinking still now, two weeks after the events, uh, out of a place of fear and when we should be thinking uh, from a place of reason and there's actually there was a lot of of uh, pray for paris hashtags being shared on twitter and facebook and everything and 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 the way i look at it is there were some reactions of you know we don't really need more religion now and that was interesting because it was a lot of french people who don't understand that this is just how people from around the world will just express the concern for you and it's like 
I think I mentioned it somewhere, but it was like people were seeing that you were sad and there, there was a kid that would come with a flower and and they would give it to you and you would slap the flower out of their hand and go like, that flower is not going to bring me back my, you know, sister. And you're like, dude, they're just saying pray for Paris because they they're they're sorry. And they that's the way they express concern. But at the same time, I would say I'd like to to pray for reason, because currently we're not thinking out of reason. We're thinking out of fear. And in that sense, Turkey, you're right. They are maybe not winning, but they're achieving some of their objective. They're pushing us to fear and to thinking and making decisions out of fear, which is the best way of changing who we are. So they can't There's no way they can kill us. They can't defeat and, us militarily. And not, and, and not only is that, uh, Patrick, they are also helping. You are helping them. We are helping them. Each, All of our governments are helping them and recruiting more people. When, you, when France and the U.S. and Europe start discriminating between Muslim and non-Muslim or Arab and non-Arab, and you start treating the people differently, then you're, trying, you're helping these terrorists to recruit more people to join them because they feel out and they would like to look for something where they feel in. And that's how the, those terrorists are working. They're recruiting people and, and putting – and these governments – Western governments, Arab governments, all governments in the world, a lot of them are falling very easily in their in their hands and helping them recruit people. Hey Nima, as a an Iranian national living in the US, does that is that something what Turkey is talking about? Is that something that rings true to you? I mean, I'm sure you're you're having a good life. You're you've spent four years there now. Um, but how does that work for you as an Iranian? In the U.S., it feels like it should be, you know, oil and vinegar, and it shouldn't. There would be issues mixing them. Uh, regarding like how people like behave toward me or something like that. Yeah, I guess something like that. Do you feel any kind of racism? Did you feel like you know when the when these terrorist attacks happened, people looked at you differently because they're you know you come from roughly over there and you're I don't know just how how it feels being uh, from Iran and living in Boston. Yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Now I noticed, like, in the past two weeks, I just get, like, lots of uh, direct eye contact for some reason from strangers. <laughs> really? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Be so, you mean uh, people looking at you intently? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Okay, okay. actually, I just noticed that. Okay, anyway, but actually, I'm very... <laughs> surprised like how in general u.s people are open to immigrants and other cultures and i guess like in general they're very supportive of uh, other nationals and uh, and it's a case for it's your experience for you as well in in the past years uh mostly yes uh like during our last uh president like ahmadinejad like whenever i tell somebody i'm from iran they would say like what's your view on ahmadinejad and like why is he saying that why is he saying that and that was kind of weird frustrating it was like i don't know trump becoming the president of us and then do you have to answer for him <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it uh, that is it was it that bad uh I mean yeah. the the comparison between Trump and Ahmadinejad are are 
you think they are apt? You're not exaggerating? Because for me, Trump is seems like someone that is... I just cannot understand how this is happening. Is yeah, it- that was exactly what happened in Iran. But the problem in Iran was that we have a very short uh, wedding cycle in our presidential election. It's basically just one month. So... Like he came out of nowhere, nobody knew him, and he, he just got sudden popularity. But by saying some uh, populist like uh, ideas, and then he got elected. <laughs> mm. And so that was fortunately the, the same wouldn't happen. Hopefully in U.S. because like you have to just run for one year. And I mean, sometimes like people here say, oh, the election process is like so long and boring and stuff. But I think in general, that's a good thing because hopefully it will avoid cases like what happened to us. So, And so, yeah, I, don't being- know. I, I, I got quite a few uh, similar conversations when uh, Bush was elected back in 2000 when I moved over here. People were always asking me, why is he saying that? What is he saying? What is he talking about? He sounds dumb. <laughs> yeah that's, that's true yeah it's interesting that yeah people would would look at you but you know it's it's also natural i mean i'm i'm trying to play the role of the of the everyday person here and if you know i met you nima i would probably you know you're you're from iran you're sort of you you, you can talk about the person that is supposedly representing the country better than anyone else. So I would probably ask you, what's up with Ahmadinejad? I guess, but um, but it's it's heartwarming to say to to hear that you're saying, you know, the 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 Americans are welcoming to you because that's not always the image we have of Americans, and maybe it's because you know Boston is different from the rest of the country. But it's also, I think, what Turkey were saying um, when you were talking about your experience in the U.S. You were your experience was very different from what we uh, might have heard uh, from what happened during the uh, you know the the days and weeks and months that followed nine eleven. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, so Nima, it's not, it's not, you know, you haven't all of a sudden two weeks ago started getting, uh, I don't know, your 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 life in the U.S. hasn't changed suddenly. No, uh, like uh, after September, actually after September 11, like uh, some of the Iranian students here, like were contacted by, uh, I guess, FBI agents, and like they were, like. They basically would come and ask you, what are you doing here? What's your research and stuff like that? But I haven't heard the same after the Paris attack. So Yeah, I'm sure if there was an attack in the U.S., uh, God forbid, it would, you know, happen again. But that's, I think coming and asking questions is is warranted. And I'm sure it's happening in France as well. We have people being assigned to residence and things like that. And it's important that we make sure it doesn't go overboard and we have the, um, you know, people looking at it to point out when there are issues. But I think it it's to be expected in that uh, regard. Guantanamo Bay is a different question, but uh, we could have a debate about that. <laughs> Patrick, um, can I ask a question really quick? Oh, of course, of course, please do. You know, one of the things that constantly is on my mind as I hear people talking about these issues is is the use of the word uh, terrorism and, and terrorist. 
And I, I think that this word has been overly inflated by the media, so I'd be curious to hear what you know, the, the others here have to say about it. Because I look at this as criminal behavior, and I just see it as a group of criminals, right? I mean, they, they may have an agenda, it may be tied to an ideology, but why is it any different from a gang of bank robbers who go into a bank and kill a bunch of people because they want money you know at the end of the end of the day it's they want something they're willing to hurt people to get that thing whatever it is whether it's physical or ideological they break the law they're criminals i mean uh, part, part of me thinks that the, the the whole labeling and and when you label again you get into the the separation and you know the division of people and i just think that yeah. it's 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 kind of gone a bit too far and we should just get back to the idea of you know, okay, these guys did bad stuff. They're criminals. Let's just, you know, pursue them and hunt them down and treat them like criminals. Mm. You you mean they're not that they're not worse than anyone else who would go and kill a hundred people, right? For whatever means, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I people think... who do do home invasion, you know, they they mm. go on a killing spree, or you know, a guy who you know somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, they all have their motivations. They all have their reasons for doing it. Um, I guess, yeah, what you're saying is it's not, yeah, it's if uh, there's a mass shooting somewhere in the US, it's just, it should be regarded in more or less the same way. But I think, you know, there's an organization behind it and the goal of it is to instill fear. So that's how you call it. You know, the terrorist is someone who wants to instill fear, as we discussed before. Um, and just like you said, if it, a bank robber, if you want to be specific, you're going to say it's a bank robber. You're, you're not just going to say it's a criminal. But I, I sort of get what you understand. We're sort of building up these words into something that makes them scarier than you know, they are. But I kind of agree with that point of view. But they are, at the end of the day, these people are terrorists because that's what they're doing. They're trying to make people terrified. They're trying to uh, have terror within this specific country. And however, what's the problem for me, the problem is not that we call these people terrorists, but that we only call these people terrorists. For example, we, if you have heard about the parenthood uh, clinic in uh, the U.S. where some guy came in and just shot everybody. It's, it's the same thing. That's terror because that's that's a person who went in, and his his aim wasn't just to kill people. He wanted to terrorize everybody, so they stopped doing this planned parenthood. It's the same concept. But these this is a lone gunman, and these are terrorists. So, right. So, so you're saying either, there are there are there are other terrorists that we should call terrorists as well, yeah, and not yeah. just the right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Or, or we call them all uh, criminals. So we can't just. Uh, this is this is my problem with the media. The media separate, and the, and it's not clear. The, they don't separate because you are a terrorist. No, apparently for some reason nowadays, if if you're a Muslim, you become a terrorist, even if you end up killing one person. If you're a Christian or some other religion, you're a, a lone gunman, and that pisses me off and pisses a lot of people off here as well. And and I I don't mind. Call him a lone gunman. Call the terrorists who attack in Paris as lone as a lone gunman, or call them terrorists and call the person who is doing an act of terror, no matter what faith or what organization he follows, as as terrorists. Yeah, I get what you're what you're saying, and there's definitely you know I hadn't really looked at it that way, and I understand what both of you guys are are saying. There's definitely some validity to it. Um, I mean, but we did call terror other people terrorists. 
when they were actually a terrorist organization trying to actively instill fear into uh their res you know there were the basque terrorists there were the there are the um uh, corsican terrorists now they're ah, less active of course yeah, and we have the but, the ira but, they were yeah, called but, terrorists yes yes but keep in mind they were called terrorists because they were anti-government and the government called them terrorists and made the media call them terrorists that's the difference uh, I wouldn't go that far. I, I honestly <laughs> think that they the... Are, no, okay, they okay. Are they were anti-government. Were they or they no, of were course. They of course right. they were anti-government. Of course. Bring, but bring I'm saying... Bring in your organization right now. Let them oppose the government openly and start bombing people. They'll call them terrorists. As long as they're anti-government, they'll call them terrorists. But if they're not anti-government, they're just anti-specific movement or something, they would never call them terrorists. Hmm. Yeah, that... Okay, it's it's an interesting... Uh, approach to it, I can, I can see it. I can see the validity in it. And, sure. and plus, why, why don't we call them freedom fighters? Well, that is a different. <laughs> I think they call themselves freedom fighters. Um, there's another thing I want to touch on very quickly before we we move on. Um, it's the 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 use of the French flag, which has sparked uh, uh, another discussion. Not really hated debate, but at least discussion, because uh, I've seen for the first time in a very long time, uh, French flags at windows and, uh, you know, not incredibly many, but there were some. And there were a lot of people starting to say, me included, we have to use the French flag again and to take it back from the nationalists, which have made it a dirty symbol. And let's just use the French flag and make it a, a proud symbol of our country again. Because currently in France, if you use the French flag, it's kind of suspect. You're kind of like, why do you have a French flag? Are you some kind of nationalistic asshole? And so there was a lot of discussions. And the interesting thing was that even in the context of the terrorist attacks, sorry, Turkey and Paul, I'm calling them terrorists. Um, <laughs> but in the context of those attacks, they were where, you know, the national pride rises up in everyone. There were still people saying, you know what? I don't really like the French flag. I would like to use a, a, a people's flag uh, because the French flag is divisive. Let's use a European flag or let's use a, a, a people of the world flag. And that for me personally is taking it a little bit too far left it it becomes kind of a tree hugger uh, uh discussion kind of like which i like trees i'm in you know i like ecology i do stuff and I, that's not what i'm saying but it it's kind of like at some point you have to draw the line and for me i think and 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 it's not like they're saying you shouldn't use a flag but they're saying for myself I don't want to use the flag because it's divisive and it's uh, it's it's for one nation, which leads to, um, uh, uh, you know, pushing out the outside rather than being inclusive. And for me, I look at it in the way that many other peoples do, which is we can be proud of our country and of our flag and be inclusive and, you know, be welcoming. And that is how we differentiate ourselves and take back the flag and that symbol from the nationalists that make it uh, uh, something uh, a little bit more, you know, dirty and to be looked at with uh, uh, suspicion. So anyway, that also happened. I'm guessing uh, and your, your, none your of you flag, guys. Have... Your flag pissed me off a lot. <laughs> why? Why? What? What did we do now? 
Not you. It's the world. It, they pissed me off when they started lighting the lights and all over these landmarks and the French flag. Why Now, would I, you? Why would you I, be pissed no, 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 off no, by no, that? No, no. Okay, let me finish. I have okay. no problem with that. If they did the same for the Lebanese flag when there was a terrorist attack a day before and a lot of hundreds of people died, this is discrimination between different nations. And the reason is, I think, I think that's where I come to the comparison with the. Uh, neighbor being attacked. We have a a very a much you know the countries where they did that are usually ah, countries that have cultural more cultural the proximity. The countries did them also. The what? Sorry. ECC Gulf countries, Emirates, Qatar. Ah, so Kuwait, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so both of you guys, Nima and Turkey, thought that was weird. Yes. Uh, yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yes, I know why it happened, but I'm. It, it pisses me off. They should have at least have shown the same thing to their neighboring country like Lebanon as they have lost a lot of people in terrorist attack and have, should have put the lights out. As, Nima, as, you, you, you also, you agree with that, you know, sort of half resentment sentiment of it happened? Yeah, it's like uh, sh apparently shows like there is a, I don't know, like vest supremacy belief in everybody's mind or something like that. I don't know, like... It kind of shows that the value of the French people's lives was more valuable than the Lebanese life. Mm. Sorry. I mean, the, there is, like, analysis here, like, that people were saying simply because it happens less in a country like France. It has basically just more journalistic value. Like, it's uh, like a basics of journalism so they were like defending it like that so if yeah. something happens like every week it's not going to be a huge news like it can be horrible but like i agree like, that's well that's, that's, that's what you that's were saying in the beginning turkey yeah. you were that's saying it's not it's like journalism that's that's for journalism but uh, wait 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 you weren't saying just about journalism earlier you were saying it's it has it's less shocking when it happens a lot it's and since it doesn't happen I know, a lot it's mm. it's less shocking but you, but you should feel bad about everybody equally i'm saying shock I'm not sure yeah. there's difference between feeling bad about people and feeling sad and, and annoyed and, and pissed at what happened and being shocked. That's the difference. Mm, I see. I'm not yeah, shocked when, a, when someone blows up uh, 100 people in Lebanon. I'm not shocked. I'm disgusted. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm pissed. I am shocked when it happens in Paris. And I'm also sad, pissed and, and all of that. So that's the difference. Yeah, I, I agree. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nemo. I just want to say, like, maybe also Facebook here is to blame because they included the flag feature just for France. So. Yeah, the the flag feature um, is something that they mentioned as well. And they said, you know, both for the um, safety check, which was immensely useful, uh, and the flag feature, they, they caught some flack and they said, yes, you're right. We should do it for other uh, events as well. And we will. So... I think in that case. But, you know, I understand what both of you guys are saying. Um, and I understand on an intellectual level, it makes complete sense. I also think that there's a lot of sentiment and, you know, feelings involved in this. And, and it doesn't work quite in the same way. And I don't think it's realistic to expect that for every attack that happens everywhere, it's going to be, there's going to be, I mean, it's what you were saying. If we start getting, again, God forbid, uh, 
if we start getting attacks in Paris every week, I can get, or you know even every month, I can guarantee you that there is not going to be a French flag in all the on all those monuments every time. So, but yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, I think that 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 was a very uh, enlightening discussion. Uh, let's move on to other things that happened in the world. I'm sure there were interesting things happening in other places as well. Um, and again, in an effort to give Paul the talking stick, uh, is there something that happened in Hong Kong that made the news? Uh, maybe more even than the Paris attacks in the past month that's worth mentioning? Uh, well, I don't know if uh, it, it would be more newsworthy or not. But uh, this past November 27th was uh, it, notable because, it's, of course, Black Friday, they, you know, the biggest uh, physical shopping day of the year in the U.S. But also here in Hong Kong, it marks the 75th uh, birthday of Bruce Lee, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he would have been 75 And so there's a lot of discussion going on online, a lot of articles re-looking at his life and his contributions. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because he was a hero of mine growing up. Um, and in part, he's part of the reason why I am where I am right now. Are you a because, martial artist? Uh, no, I studied a little bit when I was younger, but it, really his movies, you know, motivated me. They got me interested in Chinese and learning about China and uh, the language and the culture. And, you know, he wanted to be a bridge, and he wanted his films to be a bridge. And so he was in this very interesting position of, you know, being in both worlds, both China and he was, you know, he had an American birth certificate. So he was able to move fluidly. Um, in some ways, he was kind of one of the first ideas of a true global citizen. Um, and so he's always been very inspirational for me. And, you know, I think that uh, the, the idea of sort of bringing the world closer together learning, you know, and to value the cultures of other people through film and and just through sharing and, 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 and talking, even though his films are about fighting and kicking butt, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, so, you know, take some time and, and take a look and read up on some of the things that you might not have known about this guy who unfortunately only, only made a handful of movies, but they were movies that had a very strong impact on a bunch yeah. of us. For sure. It was, I mean, growing up, Bruce Lee's movies were definitely a thing. And so you're saying it made the news, it was featured prominently in... Yeah, because it's, um, it was, uh, you know, he's considered a favored son uh, of Hong Kong because of his legacy. So a it's, lot of articles written locally and, and some, some uh, international news coverage as well. I'm surprised we didn't get uh, any... I, I, Of course, you know, because of the events, uh, it, it got probably eclipsed, but I'm surprised that We, we didn't, I didn't hear about it at all. It, Bruce Lee is definitely one of those figures from my childhood that has a, a, a strong influence in the movies and in, you know, popularizing martial arts. And, um, you know, his son met the same tragic uh, fate. And, and it, he's a f definitely someone that I, I, I'm reminded of when you mention it. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, Bruce Lee. It, it, what... Where has his legacy gone? And, and it, it's interesting that it's uh, obviously being mentioned more in, in Hong Kong. I'd like to turn to the to the two Middle Easterners in uh, in the audience, not in the audience, in the on the panel, and ask two things. First of all, uh, are you guys getting Black Friday? And what do you think of it, or you know what the country thinks of it? And are, do you guys have a, a, a knowledge and an understanding of Bruce Lee and his movies? Uh, let's start with Turkey. 
Friday, what do you think we are disgusting people that do shopping like that? And we go on a Black Friday, a simple day. We call it here White Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so there are deals and shopping and things happening on White Friday. Um, uh, it's mostly online. Uh, it's nothing. We don't have this uh, day, cultural day in uh in, 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 in uh, brick and mortar stores, but online it's becoming very popular and they're calling it White Friday because apparently some extremists think Black Friday means something completely different. Uh, so all right. of these uh, online retailers are now using the word White Friday. Our, you know, our Friday is white, it's not dark. <laughs> it's um, In France, we, we get it as well. Also online, mostly I think because of all of the, uh, you know, internet giants that are american companies that do those promotions for uh the the black friday and so since they do them for their american site they figured we'll just follow through in the other countries as well and yeah that's that's how it seeps into our uh, yeah we don't have any of those international online retailers here in saudi oh really in the middle, in the middle east there so all, it's really culturally like osmosis you actually get it from, yeah, okay. from local uh, retailers, online retailers. And, and basically because Black Friday is popular here for uh, most people, that, especially the geeks and nerds who are online. Mm. And they usually do shop from the States, from Amazon and so on, on Black Friday and ship their stuff here to Saudi. So that's one way to, since it's the Black Friday concept is known for everybody who uses the Internet, they started the White Friday mm. movement to try and attract some of that business. Okay, As what about Bruce Lee? Lee? Yeah. Uh, I did not hear about this news, but Bruce Lee at least for my generation, has been a very big uh, influence and has, and I think everybody in my generation or even before my generation knows him very well. But uh, the news of his birth date, I haven't heard about it. Okay. Nima, Black Friday, Bruce Lee? So mm-hmm. the Bruce Lee going to be the same as uh, Turkey, okay. uh, pretty much. And Black Friday, no, I can think of two reasons uh one like uh because of the like sanctions like we don't have amazon here in iran and like uh uh and also like the persian new year starts at uh march like uh in the beginning of spring and usually the months before that is usually when like there is like all the shopping and people go out and stuff Mm. like that okay all right. So you don't have Black Friday in Iran? Uh, nope. <laughs> okay. That's too bad. You know, there are really good deals to be had on TVs at uh, Target and blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'd rather not own anything than stand in line with crazy people when trying to yeah. fight them for something. That, for, to save 50 bucks on the $900 <laughs> yes, thing. exactly. You know, Patrick, it's interesting because uh, Turkey uh, mentioned that they renamed it White Friday. China's done the same thing this year. They've renamed it Red Friday. Oh, and, really? Yeah, because uh, well, red is considered a more lucky color, I guess, than than black. And basically, I guess how it's working, if you're in mainland China, because some of the bigger sales groups like you know Google and your Amazons are blocked, so they have these startup apps now 
who sort of will work as an intermediary so people can get access to the sales, basically. So they're not celebrating Thanksgiving or, or really buying stuff in lieu of Christmas or anything, but they're just trying to, you know, catch the, the best deals. Of course, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Red Friday. I would have thought, you know, it was because of the, the glory of communism, but uh, it's well, just the that, right yeah. color. <laughs> yeah. um, Turkey, did anything interesting happen in Saudi Arabia? We've been hearing uh, about, you know, beheadings and trials <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, well, let's see. We had a lot of rain in the last week. The what, a sorry? A lot of rain the okay. last week. And a uh, few cities have uh, went underwater. Uh, a lot oh. of homes uh, sunk, a lot of cars. Uh, unfortunately, a few deaths. Wait, wait a second. We're still talking about basically Saudi Arabia, which means the desert, right? You're in yep, the middle of the yep, desert. Yes, yep, yep. We had so much rain. This Last week, we had on average about 80 millimeters of rain. So, and that's that's really a lot. And, uh, and, it, and unfortunately, a few cities have very poor infrastructure for getting rid of all of this rain that right. resulted in a lot of uh, flooding. And so on. So that's the biggest thing. Other than that, if you remember the land tax, Oriol decree has been announced where the land tax will be imposed after exactly one year from last week. Oh, I forgot exactly what it was. The land tax was because... It's just to encourage people to sell their land and develop it because a lot of people here in Saudi buy land and keep it and wait and wait sometimes 20, 30 years. The entire uh. area is built up and there's a lot of empty patches of land that are not used. Like in Riyadh alone, Riyadh City is, Riyadh is a huge city. It's about 50 kilometers by 50 kilometers in length and about within the center of the city, maybe 30 to 40% of it is not developed, even though it's okay. 100%, should be 100% developed. So the land tax is going to encourage people to sell, basically. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to. I'm waiting and oh, see. To sell or result. to develop it. Yes, either sell it to someone who will develop it or just develop it. So okay. wait and see. At least this is for all uh, housing land. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and finally, Nima, anything happened in Iran worth uh, mentioning? So, uh, yeah, there has been this, uh, yeah, of course I'm, uh, I'm like kind of curious why nobody mentioned the, uh, downing of the Russian jet in Turkey. Like, that was, oh, like, yeah, that of, was, that was a big deal for sure. I didn't, yeah, I guess yeah. like everybody heard about mm -hmm. that, but like, uh, in Iran, like, uh, there has been an interesting development regarding like by cutting the, cars made in iran like there is a uh like in iran there is a huge tariff on foreign cars so most a people end mean? up yeah and so most people end up buying cars made in iran and actually we That's... do have lots of uh old french cars like peugeot <laughs> of course, <yeah>. 405 <laughs> is still made in iran <laughs> and yeah, actually, so I like I like so, that car. Uh, yeah, but who doesn't? Um, what's the name of the, the? Are there more than one car manufacturers in Iran? Yeah, there is like. Uh, Can you tell us their names? It's just it makes me, you know, I'm interested in that. Yeah, there's the big one is called Iran Khodro, means like Iran's machine, and uh, the other one is Saipa. 
And uh, so they, they they have like the the their prices have increased after the rise of the dollar. After, uh, I mean the yeah. So the Iranian currency real has lo- losing lots of uh, value against the dollar uh, after the sanctions in the recent years. Right. So subsequently, like the prices have gone up. And the people are not very happy with the quality of the cars. That's and what I was going to ask. Are they like you know the the Eastern European made cars before the fall of the of the wall? Yeah, like yeah. The, you, I think the you got the idea. And, yeah. Mm. yeah, like we, we, it's like very old models. There's like this uh, car called uh, Pride, which is I think used to be a very old uh, model of Fiat. In the 1980s, that is still produced in Iran, and they are not, they're, they're really not safe. And lots of people, I think, close to like, we have like a crazy rate of uh, deaths in uh, Car road accidents. accidents. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I think, like, it's more than 10 people per day die in Iran because of the road accidents. Okay. And part of it is because of not very good driving habits, but part of it is because of the quality of the cars. So anyway, there was this movement to boycott the cars made in Iran. And uh, so it was like kind of successful. And uh, the government actually ended up offering uh, uh, like a, basically a car loan to everybody so that they would still keep buying cars. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm yeah. guessing it's a as in every country, the car industry, you know, the manufacturing industry is a big part of the economy of the country. I'm sure. Yeah, it is. Yep, yep. And uh, so, yeah, that was interesting. Like, it showed like people like, I mean, it was like a interesting social movement. But so you mean I, I, a couple of questions? Can you find cars that are foreign? In, in Iran? Can you find American or Japanese cars? In yeah, Iran? yeah, you can, like, uh, if you have the money, but the, they're, they're going to be, like, 140% tax. Okay, 140%, okay. Interesting. It means, like, like it's, like, going to be three times, four times more. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if, like, yeah, there are lots of, like, Maserati and Tesla and stuff like that in Iran. Tesla? I think there is, yeah. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, if you're like very well seen and stuff, like you can definitely import your the car you want. But the majority of middle class like have to just uh, buy the car made in Iran, and they have been increasingly like uh, yeah becoming more expensive, and the quality is not improving. So that's why. So, but now the the result of the uh, boycott. I'm curious. Did the boycott go through social media and and the internet? I'm guessing yeah. It, it was actually like there, like there's a Facebook page for it, like, and uh, yeah, like Facebook is very popular, and also uh, there's a new messaging app called Telegram, right? Is which is popular. encrypted. Yeah, that's yeah. It's like kind of censorship resistance. Before that, Viber was very popular in Iran, but the government cracked down on Viber, I think. So now Telegram is very popular, and that's, I think, how it was organized to do the boycott mm. and stuff. 
But and, the, eventually, it, it, the news of it came to the media, the state media, and it was like there were debates. and So it did yeah. become public because of the, the way yep, it was exactly. transmitted. Yeah. Initially, they the, tried yeah. to portray it as it like unnational, uh, anti-nationalistic or treason even, something like that. But as it became more popular, they just had to face the fact that it's just a problem that has to be addressed. Um, so it was uh, transmitted through Telegram. Um, do they have, I think they have public uh, chat rooms on Telegram, do they? Yeah, they have these things called channels. Right. So basically you subscribe and it's like a, you just get the news through it. Okay. And uh, yeah, actually it's also a hugely popular Telegram between like Iranian families like usually any, every family like has a telegram and people on that like say happy birthday and hmm. news of the family is shared. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. and so lots of jokes. We really like jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and those channels are encrypted because I know that on telegram, some of the channels are encrypted and some aren't. So. Uh, I think they are. I'm not sure. Mm, okay. But, and, uh, yeah. Just an, another question. Um, those apps are used on Android phones, or do you have iPhones as well? Or I think we do have iPhones as well. Yeah, but most people use Android, I guess. Okay. Okay. And and uh, we could do a whole episode on this, but the the phones. How many um, uh, service providers do you have? Is there one for the state? Is it very uh, you know, is it easy there's, to get there's, network? There is a big one for the states. Uh, there are like semi-private ones also. There is like called one called MTN Iran Cell, which is I think the MTN is based in uh, South Africa. It's a South Africa company, so it's a, mm. a cooperation between those companies. And they they offer like uh, rather good like three G quality service. Okay. Uh, but of course, there's it's a censored like. Uh, mm. The the state controls what goes over it, so people yeah, use VPNs like Facebook and... is censored, uh, and uh, yeah, of course, like pornography sites are web censored. Some of the political sites are. Sensor. Is is so, Twitter uh, allowed or is it also blocked? Uh, I think it was censored. Yeah, mm. it is. And so, okay. And so, I'm guessing you you use uh, Android phones on the cheaper end, uh, a couple hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, something like that. Uh, mm, yeah. Recently, people started to go to the Chinese brand, but. Uh, Despite the high price, people like Samsung is very popular in Iran. Oh, the Galaxy series, like people like basically mm. have to pay like their one month of income <laughs> to get the <laughs> phone, but they do. <laughs> no, you know, it's very interesting because it's, it's, uh, I've heard a lot of people discussing this, you know, the fact that now, uh, phones are so important in everyone's life. And of course, it's even more true for people and places where the phone is your only, you know, your main computer and your, so often your only computer. So it's important that you, even if it costs more, you're going to be willing to put in more money to get something that you're going to be using every day that is 
more, you know, that works better or faster or allows you to do more things. Um, and it's still not the price of a car. So yeah, exactly. it's still, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Interesting. Thank you very much. And thanks to the three of you for being on the show. I think we're going to close it uh, right now. And But before we do, of course, I'm going to ask each of you to let me know where we can find you on the inter internet if there is a place that we can find you on the internet. Uh, Paul? Uh, yeah, you can uh, <clears throat> follow the work that I do over a website. That's uh, kongcast.com, K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T.com. If you're interested in uh, what's happening in Hong Kong, mostly in the entertainment, movie industry, that kind of stuff. And uh, the normal places, Twitter and uh, the Google Plus and Facebook, but, uh, you know, just personal musings and kind of boring stuff. So, <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Foxlore, F-O-X-L-O-R-E. Perfect. Uh, Nima, do you have a Twitter account people could go follow? So, yeah, I'm on Twitter, not hugely active, but my handle is uh, NimaAR1. And also on Facebook, it's M25Racer, and which is the name of an old game I used to play when I was <laughs> a kid. Uh, and also I do, I've started this blog about reviewing some uh, moderately priced, good quality headphones. So if you're interested, it's uh, bigheadguy.wordpress.com. Wow, very specific. Moderately <laughs> priced headphones. <laughs> cool. So bigheadguy.wordpress.com. Thanks, Nima. And uh, yep. Turkey. Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Turkey Alvala, T-U-R-K-I-A-L-B-A-L-L-A-A. Perfect, as usual. And for me, it's not Patrick. I'm not Patrick on Twitter. I'm also available on uh, Facebook. I'm also I, not I, Patrick. I, uh, Patrick, I really need to know, when are you Patrick if you're not Patrick all the time? <laughs> that is the mystery that you have to solve. <laughs> Um, I'm Patrick in real life and not Patrick on the internet. That's the, the reality of it. Um, and yes, I'm also on frenchspin.com where you can find this show and my other show where we discuss video games every two weeks. And of course... I cannot forget about the patrons that uh, make this show, that keep this show going. Uh, you can support the show at patreon.com slash the Phileas Club if you wish to do so. I will gladly take your money and I will be extremely thankful for it. I'm extremely thankful to the almost 200 people that uh, decide this show is valuable enough that it deserves a little bit of cash every, every month. So thank you so much for supporting it. I can't tell you how much it means that you decide uh you know to spend your hard-earned cash on me and this show rather than on some other things that you pro would probably bring you more immediate uh pleasure and satisfactions like you know i don't know candy and and uh uh, phones and cars and stuff like that so really thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh supporting this show and uh, of course, we'll be back in the next one. I'm not sure if we're going to be doing a special episode this month again. I've been uh, creating my company. It's it's now running, basically. And uh, we've had a few interesting um, happenings with that because it turns out we are, I am the first European actual company to uh, start running a business with income from Patreon. So... That has led to interesting administrative 
questions being asked, and we're still in the <laughs> middle of trying to solve that. So I don't know if I'm going to uh, have the time to do a special episode this month. But I'm, gl- you know, I'm glad I'm glad your wife is a lawyer. Yes, so am I. <laughs> oh my god, it would be so difficult if she wasn't. <laughs> I think um, you ought to do a special episode on these administrative issues. I'm curious now. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, mostly it has to do with VAT. And, um, you know, the remittance thereof. But, uh, yeah, it would be a very, you know, interesting episode for the three people that might have a similar issue in the future. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll do another special episode. And if we don't, we'll be back in a month with a regular episode uh, that will celebrate the joy of... Christmas? Yes, and the holidays. But Christmas, you know, I celebrate Christmas. Even though I'm not really Christian. What's wrong with me? I don't care. It's the happiness of getting and giving gifts. That's what matters. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you again and talk to you again in a month. Bye.